Good morning, everyone. Today is uh, Wednesday, the 23rd of uh, July, 2014, and we are in the still water meditation hall of the upper hamlet Plumlesh during our summer opening. We are very happy to have the children uh, with us. Today we will speak uh, English, and those who are English-speaking don't have to wear earphones. But the others have to wear earphones. Today we, we shall have uh, questions and answers, and the children will have uh, time for asking questions. Four or five questions. And after that, they will continue uh, question and answer with Thầy Pháp Ứng outside. And then the teenagers have the time to ask questions. We want to hear from them how they practice, what kind of problems, what kind of difficulties they have, what uh, do they need in order to do better. And then uh, there will be plenty of time for other people to ask questions. We know that a good question can benefit many people. So we should uh, ask uh, the question of our heart, a question that has to do with our practice, our suffering, our happiness, our difficulties. And we may ask uh, a question on behalf of a friend who is not there. If uh, you speak a language that we don't understand, and then you have to bring your own translator. And we know that a good question does not need to be very long. Those of us who have a question are invited to come up here and sit around the table. And they will take turn to sit on that uh, chair. <laughs> so that everyone can see him or her. And uh, the tradition is that before you ask a question, you listen to the bell and you practice uh, breathing in and out three times with the whole uh, Sangha. So now it's time for those who have a question uh, to come up. 
and from time to time you read one uh, question that all that is already written down. Dear friends, are you ready? Shall we begin now? Breathing in, I'm aware that we are sitting together as a family, a practice family. Breathe now, I smile to everyone. This is a happy moment. Difficult question. <laughs> uh, it has been a long time in my country that uh, the majority of the people are farmers. They work the land and they are used to wear the brown color. So in Vietnam, the brown color is the color of the poor people. Only the rich people wear other colors like white. And when you wear white, well, it can get dirty very quickly. So you need a lot of soap to wash. But if you wear brown, they don't see the dirt very well. So you can keep uh, your clothes for several days without washing. So you save, uh, you save a lot of soap and things like that. And the monks and the nuns, uh, because they, they want to live a simple life. A simple life. They, they don't, don't want to wear fancy colors because they want to practice humility. Humility, simplicity. Because the, monk, the life of a monk or a nun should be simple, frugal. And the monks and the nuns, uh, they have made the vow to practice uh, voluntary poverty. They don't, don't want to be rich. They don't want to be wealthy. They want to be with the majority of the people. That, that is why they, they live simply. They do not live in uh, luxurious uh, quarters. They do not uh, use uh, fancy uh, uh, transportation means, they don't wear jewelry, uh, they don't use cosmetic, they want to live uh, s- simply, 
that's uh, called uh, voluntary poverty. They want to live like the poor people so that they can be in touch with the majority of the people. So the brown color means that uh, you want to be humble, you want to be simple, you want to be with the poor people. Uh, so that is why. Uh, mm, and then you uh, you can you can you can recognize them. And uh, they also shave the head. Mm. Very much for the same reason. They don't want to spend a lot of money buying shampoo. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and that is a way to tell people that we are already a monk. We are already a nun. Don't try to make us into a husband or a wife. The message is very clear. We are already a monk. Don't try to, to make us into your husband. That's, that is a message. We are already a nun. Don't try to make um, us into a wife. So that is a kind of uh, message. And then a monk or a nun who is a practitioner and who like to, uh, to devote all, all, all the time in the practice. Because if you live as a lay person, you have to take care of a big, big family, uh, you have to earn a living and, and to, uh, to raise your children, so you don't have uh, as much time to practice as a monk or a nun, you see. So, uh, so uh, a monk should uh, should devote his time in uh, the practice, and they have, they they practice um, many precepts, many mindfulness trainings, and the behavior of a monk should be different. They have to be very mindful. They have to uh, to, uh, to observe a fine manners. They should not behave as uh, the people in the world. When they speak, when they walk, when they do things, uh, the way of the monk is uh, different from the way of the lay people in the world. So uh, to shave your head is a way to to remember that you are a monk and not a lay person. So every morning a monk uh, wake up and touch his head and remember that I am a monk. I should behave as a monk. I cannot behave as a non-monk. So to have a shaved head is uh, somehow useful. Huh? Useful to have a shaved head. It reminds you that you are a monk or a nun, and you should uh, practice, and you should behave as a monk or a nun, and not try to uh, run after uh, uh, things like uh, sensual pleasures, uh, fame, or power, or money, and so on. 
สุดละไรก็ไปมังไอ้นั้นสุดสุดสุด manifest simplicity poverty and chastity chastity that means you live a celibate life Do you like to be a man and nun? <laughs> It's a lot of fun being a nun. Now I want to protect, to take care, good care of my body. I want to take good care of my body. Speak out or to do something, you know, to express your anger. But uh, the fact is that uh, when you are angry, and if you say something or you do something, that does not help. To do something when you are angry, or to say something you are angry, always bring. Damage, cause damage to you and to the other person. So the teaching of the Buddha is not don't try to do uh, to do anything to say anything to express your anger because if you do, you cause more damage. Uh, you go, you instead of. Uh, Becoming less angry, you become more angry, uh, and you make the other person angry also. But that does not you have that does not mean that you have to push down to suppress your anger. So the better way is to go home to yourself and take good care of your anger. And when you come to Plum Village, you learn very concrete things in order to to take care of your anger. We have to train ourselves. We have to learn. It's very important. 
because in our daily life many things can make us angry and suffer. So we have to learn how to take care of our anger. Uh, the first thing you do in order to, to, to take care of your anger is uh, not to say anything, not to do anything. And go home to yourself by the way of breathing. You take a deep breath and you say, breathing in, I know anger is in me. You recognize anger. You don't try to suppress it. You don't try to fight it. But you just recognize it. Hello, my anger, I know you are there. I will take care of you. That is called uh, recognizing anger. And then the next step is... Uh, to hold it, holding your anger. Because when you breathe in and out mindfully, you have the energy of mindfulness. And that energy of mindfulness is, uh, has the power to recognize anger and embrace the anger. It's like a mother holding her baby. This is a beautiful practice. When someone is angry, he does not do anything, say anything, his breathing and holding his anger. That is the most beautiful thing. And when uh, your mother, your father, your friend see you uh, practicing holding your anger like that, they have a lot of respect for you because you, you are a practitioner. You know how to take care of your anger. And if you keep breathing in and out or working slowly, and hold your anger like that, your anger begins to come down, uh, taking care of anger. And when the mother sees the, the baby suffer, uh, she pick up the baby and she holds the baby tenderly. And by doing so, she help the baby suffer less. So uh, the anger is like your baby. You go home and take care of your baby anger. You say, hello, my baby anger. I know you are there. I'm not fighting you. I'm not suppressing you. I'm take care of you. So you breathe mindfully. You walk mindfully and you hold your anger. There is a two kinds of energy. The energy of anger and the energy of mindfulness generated by the breathing. So that you use the second energy to recognize and embrace anger. I think mother should do the same and father should do the same. And when one of the members of the family uh, forget to do that, we can remind him of her. Mommy, you are angry, please take good care of your anger. I am helping you. I will breathe with you. And you sit close to mommy and you breathe. And mother and son breathing together and hold the anger. That is very beautiful practice. And if daddy is angry, you can come and help. Daddy, it seems that you have some anger in you. Let us Practice together. I will support you. Shall we breathe together, father and son, and we recognize anger and embrace it tenderly? 
That is very beautiful. And you get a relief after a few minutes of breathing in and out. And you may, you may find out that the other person who makes you angry, he has a lot of anger in him. And he does not know how to handle the anger. That is why he spills it all over around him. But you, who, has, who have learned to, uh, to take care of your anger, you do not do like him. You do not let your anger spill over and make other people around suffer. And you are proud of yourself. You say that poor fellow, he has a lot of anger and he does not know how to handle anger. But I do. So when you see like that, you are no longer angry at him anymore. And you may like to do or say something to help him suffer less. So instead of having anger in you, you have compassion. You don't want to punish him anymore. You want to help him uh, because you have compassion. Because compassion is a kind of antidote for anger. When compassion is born in you, anger goes down. It's wonderful. And compassion is born when you, you look at him and you see the suffering, the anger in him. And you see that he is not capable of uh, taking care of his anger. He is a victim of his anger. And his anger is spilling over. So, if you see like that, your anger falls down. And compassion is born in you. You are fresh. You can help him. So, in the family or in, the, in school, and if you know the practice, not only you don't suffer, but you can help the other person uh, suffer less. So this is a, a art, a practice, a very wonderful practice. Everyone gets angry from time to time. But um, some of us know how to handle our anger. Yeah, um, offended, but we don't say anything. We just breathe in and out and take care of our anger. It's very beautiful practice. That is the practice of peace. And I hope one day in school they will teach you. School teachers should know how to do it. And school teachers should be able to tell, to teach students how to do it. And uh, parents also, they should know how to do it. They should know how to handle anger. And if they do, children will learn naturally. Huh? Uh, and you are proud of your mother. Because uh, every time she got angry, she know how to breathe and embrace her anger and suffering. You are very proud of your mom because your mom knows how to do it. And when father and mother know how to do that, children naturally learn from them. 
This is a very good uh, practice that you can bring home. Very helpful question. something to to uh, to uh, to go on its course and express uh, itself uh, needs uh, uh, enough uh, conditions but if one condition is uh, lack or many conditions are not there, it cannot uh, continue and express. And it will try to do it again in other ways. Mm. It's like um, the flowers are 
about to, to bloom, and suddenly a wave of cold arrived. And then the, the flower buds uh, cannot continue. And after uh, the weather is not uh, favorable for the buds to become flowers. But the tree uh, is uh, still there. And a few weeks uh, later, the weather becomes warm again. And new birds come out again. Uh, so this time, my conditions are more uh, favorable. And if uh, the warm weather continues for a few weeks, and then suddenly the new birds will become flowers. So the answer is that uh, if conditions are not sufficient, something cannot uh, go on its course. But if uh, conditions are sufficient, and then uh, it will uh, it will realize, uh, it will uh, go on and express themselves the way. Uh, it is supposed to be. And uh, even if uh, you are of the same species, like lotus flowers, and if you look uh, very carefully, you don't see that uh, they are different. You don't see that uh, uh, all lotus are the same. They have different, uh, they are either bigger or smaller, uh, although they are called lotus flowers, but uh, each lotus flower has, uh, uh, is a different from other lotus flowers. The same, true, the same thing is true with every leaf on the, on the trees. And uh, it's wonderful that uh, things are not exactly the same. If things are exactly the same, it would be very boring. So uh, things must, must be different. And in French they say, vive la différence. Uh, vive la différence. Long life, differences. Uh, so so if, you, if you are not like other uh, people, that is a good thing. Yeah? If you are exactly like them, it's very boring. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know. <laughs>
just happen like that. I think uh, because many people want to have something like this. Uh, many people want to have something like this so that people can come and practice together. Uh, and we feel that uh, there are people who who want to have a, a place like this. So it's not one person who can create a problem, but many people. If they want to create privilege, but you do not want to come, and then privilege is impossible. So privilege is not made by one person. It, may, it is made by many people. Hmm? So privilege is a, a collective, uh, a collective. Uh, hmm? Hmm. A collective. Um, Mm, manifestation of many people. Huh? Uh, people feel the need of having some place like that to come and do a sitting meditation together, walking meditation together, tea meditation together, listen to a Dhamma talk together, and build brotherhood, sisterhood, and create an atmosphere of peace and joy and brotherhood. Many people want that. And that is the main, the main reason why we have privilege. It's not the desire of one person. Right? So... And uh, maybe in the future, you would like to build something like Prabhupada in your country. Maybe in the future Prabhupada will not be there because everything is impermanent. Hmm? Everything is impermanent. So one day Maybe privilege is not no longer there, and where and at that time you may have grown into a important person in society, and you think that well, I have to set up a privilege so that people can come and experience peace and brotherhood and things like that. But you know that uh, alone you cannot do it. So you have to make a telephone call to a number of friends and ask them whether they like to collaborate with you in order to set up another privilege. See? So, so maybe in the future you will, with your friends, set up a place in privilege. And maybe the privilege you set up can be more beautiful. Hmm? Because uh, when you can set up a place like that, many people can come and heal and be nourished and transform. Uh, in the beginning, you might, you might try to get more money, more 
his whole house and car. But after a while, we don't want these things anymore. We want something that can bring more peace and more joy to people. So we have the idea of uh, set up a yeah? And you know that with our friends supporting you, you cannot do that. You are, so you will call them up and propose that you do it together with other people and suffer a place like this. See? And, uh, and there will be someone who come up and ask, uh, why have you set up? <laughs> and you answer like this. <laughs> it's not being set up because many of us feel the need to have a problem. So the children can, uh, after this, the children can go out and continue their question and answers with the public outside. This, uh, this question uh, should be addressed to parents and school teachers. And if uh, parents and teachers uh, have enough time, they will see that uh, it is an environment 
that is uh, responsible for the situation of the teenagers. Uh, first in the family, maybe uh, uh, children do not have a chance to learn how to how to love themselves and to take care of themselves. If uh, parents know how to love themselves and take care of themselves. And then children will naturally learn from them because parents are a kind of teacher. So parents are responsible. Parents suffer and do not know how to handle their suffering. And parents suffer and make each other suffer. That is uh, aka that kind of environment in family where the child is not nourished, uh, where the child got a lot of wounds within themselves, and when they when they go to school, teachers cannot help them either. Because teachers uh, may be like uh, parents, they have problems at home, and uh, they bring their problems uh, into school. Uh, at home they have uh, difficulty with their children, and uh, in school they have problems with their students, the kind of uh, students, uh, children also. And if uh, school teachers do not know how to handle the suffering in them, uh, school teachers do not know how to, um, to love themselves and take care of themselves. Uh, they cannot help the students to do the same. If we have uh, happy teachers, if we have teachers who know how to love themselves and take care of themselves, and then the child will have a second chance. The second chance is the school that has a good environment where teachers are capable of uh, being uh, compassionate, peaceful, uh, loving. But if teachers do not know how to handle the suffering, and then there's no second chance for, for the child. And people uh, in the Ministry of Education, they should be aware that the environment in school and the environment in, uh, in, in family is not uh, conducive to peace, to mutual respect, to, to love, to understanding. And they should, uh, they should uh, try to 
to change the education system. They should bring into school the kind of uh, teaching that can help uh, the young people how to love themselves, how to take care of themselves, how to heal, and to bring that practice home in order to help parents also. So this is a huge problem. And uh, but the young people, they can help. They can express themselves. Suppose, uh, like this morning, when you ask the question, you help uh, us as parents and teachers to be aware of the situation because uh, we may be too busy with our suffering, with our anger, with our problems, that we do not have the time to listen to you. So as uh, you are there and ask the question, you help us to know what is going on. And we have a chance to, to think about changing our way in order for you to have uh, a better chance to change. And in Plumbridge we have, uh, we can offer that kind of teaching and practice that can help, help us um, take care of our body. Uh, uh, protect our body and treasure our body and uh, heal. And when we are able to do that, we can help uh, our parents and our teachers also. The fact is that uh, there have been uh, retreats for young people, for children, uh, where uh, Children, young people can practice and heal. And after that, they go home and help uh, uh, their parents and invite their parents to join uh, a retreat and practice and heal. It has happened. Uh, these things uh, have happened already in many places. Uh, and. Uh, it begins with the practice of uh, the children, the young people. So the young people should not feel helpless. There are things they can do in order to start uh, changing the situation. And finally, they will help uh, teachers and parents to change also. In Plum Village, uh, we learn that uh, We learn that uh, we have a body, and our body is a wonder. Our body is a masterpiece of the, the cosmos. Our biologists, uh, neuroscientists, uh, they all agree that the human body is a masterpiece. It's a wonder. And we have to learn how to treasure, to protect, to preserve that uh, masterpiece of the cosmos. 
and we also learn that uh, this body has been transmitted to us by generations of ancestors and uh, our ancestors have not died we are still alive in our body so if we mistreat our body we mistreat all our ancestors our parents are also in our body and we are continuation, the continuation of our parents so that is a kind of um, practice we have to look again at our body and begin to respect it begin to try to preserve it to protect it and we also learn very concrete things like uh, to calm our body there is a There is uh, stress, uh, tension, and pain in our body. And in Plumridge, we learn how to breathe and to work in such a way that can release tension in our body. These are very concrete practices that maybe our parents do not know and teachers do not know. But we have a chance to know to do that. We can practice... Uh, releasing tension, reducing pain in our body. Then in Plum Ledge, we also learn how to, how to calm a feeling, how to calm an emotion, and to have a peace. These things uh, have not been taught by our parents and our teachers, but now we have a chance to learn. So there are a lot of things... Uh, teenagers can do and improve themselves first. Mm. We know that the five mindfulness trainings are very helpful. If you live according to the five trainings, you can protect yourself. You don't allow, you don't allow yourself, uh, your, your body and your mind to be, mm, to be destroyed to be ruined by the environment. If you don't respect your body and the other person will not respect your body. If you don't respect yourself and they don't respect you. That is why you have to respect yourself first. Your body is something beautiful, uh, sacred. Mm. This is a masterpiece of the cosmos. And uh, it can be filled with peace and well-being and joy. And if we know the practice, we can help our body mm, to... Uh, to be uh, protected, to heal, and to be a source of joy for us and for other people. Uh, in Plumridge, we learn how to, to love ourselves, 
to respect ourselves, our body, and our and our mind. And the five mindfulness trainings are very concrete practice in order to do so. In Plum Village, we also practice uh, taking refuge in the Sangha. There is uh, a group of people, there is, uh, there are individuals that uh, know how to, to practice peace and joy. And each of us as a teenager should have a, a should, should have a, a place like that in order to take refuge. In a tradition, every child has a godmother, a godfather, where you go and get help when you have a problem. In Plum Ridge, we have the second body. Everyone has a second body. When you have a problem, you call him, you go to him or to her and ask for help. And that is a kind of garden angel, uh, very concrete. That can be a monk or a nun or an uncle or a friend who has a peace, uh, solidity, freedom, joy. And each of us teenager has to have to have to get one like that. We call it second one. Uh, in our time of trouble, we can always go to him or to her and ask for protection and help. And the best is to have a body of people who who, who can be a, a, a source of inspiration and protection. So teenagers can uh, seek to belong to a group of people, to a Sangha. Like a Sangha Plum Village. Or you might set up a Sangha in the, in the town, in the city that you live. And uh, with that group of people, you have uh, a place for refuge. And every time you have a problem, you suffer, you are confused, you can go for refuge and you seek advice, you seek protection. Everyone needs uh, a person or a community, community like that. And Thay also, although his, uh, his practice is solid, but he always needs a Sangha. He also practices uh, taking refuge in a Sangha. And there are young people in Plum Village. They are monks and nuns, novices, uh, uh, under 20. And because they practice uh, the trainings, the mindfulness trainings, they protect the body and the mind. And uh, they are pure, they are fresh, they are solid because they practice the precepts. 
and practicing the precepts, they generate uh, the, the energy of uh, holiness. You know, holiness is something. Lasentate is something possible. When you practice one of the five precepts, you generate the energy of holiness. Like uh, you know how to protect people, animals, and plants. You have compassion. That is uh, the element of holiness in you. When you practice uh, um, uh, uh, rice fish uh, and compassionate listening and help people to suffer less, and you generate the, el- the element of uh, the energy of holiness in you. And the element of holiness is a kind of energy that can protect you. When you protect, when you practice the fifth mindfulness training, you consume only the healthy uh, products. You don't consume alcohol and drugs. You don't use marijuana, cocaine. You refrain from drinking uh, alcohol. Uh, you keep your body healthy and sane. You practice, uh, you generate uh, the energy of holiness. So, in Bloomridge, I see very young monks and nuns and lay people at the age of my grandchildren. And yet they are capable of generating the energy of holiness. And I take refuge in them. That holiness generated by the practice of mindfulness and concentration and insight so equivalent to the Holy Spirit in Christianity. And if you are protected by the Holy Spirit, and then your body, your mind is protected, and you have that kind of holiness, purity, um, peace, and joy. And you can heal very easily. It is the Holy Spirit that can heal you. It is the whole, the, the energy of holy, holiness by, uh, generated by the practice of the precepts of uh, mindful walking, mindful sitting, mindful talking, mindful uh, handling of your anger. Uh, it is that energy that can heal you. And uh, to be holy is possible. And uh, when you are sane, healthy, uh, joyful, compassionate, you can help your parents, you can help your teachers. So organize yourself into groups of practitioners, supporting each other, practice healing and nourishment every day, and you get the healing that you need. Mm. There is the whole, the all uh, habit energy of letting go, of uh, of uh, of letting yourself be uh, be carried away by sensual pleasures, by anger, by uh, fear, by hate, by despair. But now we can begin to to 
to create a new habit, energy, the, the habit energy of uh, holiness, of, uh, of peace, of mindfulness, of brotherhood and sisterhood, uh, in order to heal us. This is uh, possible with the teaching uh, of the Buddha that, uh, that you can find in Plum Village. Uh, you know, Plumlesh is uh, a simple place. There's no uh, nothing fancy, but uh, but the environment is healthy. It's safe. There is a spirit of uh, uh, of uh, of brotherhood, uh, sisterhood. Uh, there is. Uh, uh, the feeling of peace because everyone is uh, practicing peaceful walking, peaceful sitting, peaceful talking, peaceful consuming. So this atmosphere is a very, um, is very um, um, conducive to healing. And you, uh, young people, you can help uh, create an uh, uh, environment like that. Uh, and together you can help create uh, uh, that environment in school, that you can create that environment in, uh, uh, in the family. Because uh, one person may not be able to create but three of you, four of you, five of you together, and if you have that collective energy of peace and, and, and brotherhood and sisterhood, uh, wherever you go, you bring that energy along with you, and you can come, begin to change people, to change the, the atmosphere uh, in, uh, in, in the place you go. So don't be despair. Uh, we can create a new habit, good habit, the habit to be compassionate, the habit to be um, um, peaceful, uh, and uh, we can heal our anger, our despair. Uh, don't give up. Uh, and uh, the five mindfulness standings are not um, are not something they impose on you. Because you wake up and then you see that uh, uh, you don't like that kind of uh, living anymore, the style of life that can that can that is always destroying your body and your feelings anymore, and you realize that living according to the five trainings, you can heal yourself. That is why you are wholeheartedly um, taking up that kind of. Uh, practice in order to heal you and help heal your family and your group. So they propose that you sit up as a group and discuss and find a way uh, uh, to create uh, together a new habit, good habit. Uh, You learn how to walk again, how to sit again, how to eat again, how to drink again, how to talk again. 
in such a way that peace and and and, and compassion and brotherhood is possible. I have confidence that the young people can can do it. I have tried as a young person. Good luck. Many people who, uh, who have a lot of uh, uh, a lot of uh, fame and money and power, uh, but they are not happy. They are not happy. Competition in school has the aim of uh, getting more more fame, pride, more power, more money, more success. But I want to uh, ask myself. Uh, what is uh, the most important thing I want to do with my life? I have a life to live. I and I really want to do something with my life, something meaningful. What is the use of being equal to others if you are not happy? Mm. 
what is the use of being number one, the number one, if you are not happy, if you are not peaceful, if you don't have peace in yourself, if you are not capable of helping other people to suffer less. So these are questions we have, uh, we can ask. Suppose someone come and ask Thay, Thay, you, have, you seem to have uh, a lot of wisdom, why don't you become a prime minister of the country? Uh, for Thay to be the prime minister of uh, a country is not very appealing at all. They can see a lot of suffering, a lot of tension, a lot of jealousy, a lot of things like that. It's not very appealing. And they prefer to be a monk living simply, having a lot of time to do work, uh, to suffer less. So every one of us should have a a desire, a motivation. This is very important. And there is a good motivation, like um, I want to be to be peaceful. I want to have peace in myself. I don't want to to have a a conflict in myself. I want to be at peace with myself. If I am not at peace with myself, I cannot be at peace with the world and other people. And that is a, my priority. That is my deepest desire to be at peace with myself. I want to live in such a way that every moment of my daily life um, I can be a satisfying moment. I, I want uh, contentment. I want uh, when I walk, I can enjoy every step. When I do things, I like to do what I, to do what I am doing. I don't do it in order to get something else. When I study, when I write an article, when I give a speech, I enjoy doing these things. I do not do these things in order to get something else. So you have to look and to see what you really want. Because uh, I see that uh, people who have got a lot of what they want, but um, they are not happy. Like a sensual pleasure. And sensual pleasure can bring you a lot of suffering. And my happiness uh, does not uh, lie in sensual pleasures. I know that uh, without peace, without compassion, without brotherhood and sisterhood, 
without the capacity to help other people to, to suffer less, I cannot be truly happy. So my focus, I use all my energies and time, uh, attention in doing that. And by doing that, I, I feel happy and get uh, fun- the feeling of fulfillment uh, at every moment. And uh, I need uh, wisdom. I need uh, right understanding in order to do so. And the practice of mindfulness and concentration can bring with me this kind of uh, vision, that kind of uh, right understanding that uh, help me to get rid of the things that can make me suffer. And I have uh, plenty of time and energy to focus on the things that can help me to be peaceful, happy, and help me to help other people. So that is a right view that you have to get. And in order to have right view, you need to practice a right mindfulness, right, right concentration. It's very concrete. You can be happy right here and right now. You don't have to run a lot to compete with other people. And that is the teaching of Plumbler. And many of us, even if you are if you are if you are still very young, we don't want to do anything else. We want to be a monk and then a lay practitioner. If you at home here, we like what we we do every day. And we have a chance to, to help other people to, to practice peace and happiness. So fulfillment, contentment is possible uh, with the practice. And you, have to, you don't have to run all the time in order to, 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 uh, to get this kind of uh, fulfillment, contentment. And the fact is that you are always running and trying to be to compete with other people uh, does not give a chance for you to practice uh, um, and to get uh, uh, what you really want. So each person has to sit down and ask the question, what do I really want? And then you know the way to go. And you are not in conflict anymore. You don't. You do, you, you are not being pushed to to run and to do things anymore. Okay. Mm. How can I love myself more 
how can I have more confidence in myself? You have the intention to love yourself. It's clear. And, and, and maybe you do not know how to love yourself. And that's why you have to learn how to love. If you study the five uh, mindfulness training, you know how to love yourself. Yourself is made of uh, body, feelings, perceptions, consciousness. You have to, to go back to them and find out what is not going well. Something that is not going well in your body, like a lot of stress, tension, tiredness, and so on. So if you want to love your body, don't allow the tension to be accumulated anymore. Learn how to walk so that with every step you can release the tension. Hmm? And in preliminary, learn these concrete things. How to sit. Sitting relaxingly. You have to learn. You sit like you sit on a lotus flower and not on a hip of uh, burning charcoal. Yeah. I have to learn again how to walk, how to sit, how to eat your breakfast in such a way that uh, your body is relaxed. And there are those of us who can do that. You look at them and you do like them. You take your time. You cherish your time of walking of sitting, of eating your breakfast. Don't try to do quickly in order to finish with it. Uh, and that is a habit to learn. Learning peace. And give your body peace. Release the tension. And then you, when you have a painful feeling, a painful emotion, know how to handle. Learn how to handle. You can learn to breathe, to recognize the pain, the ten, the, the emotion. Embrace it and calm it down. And in the beginning, we know how to borrow the collective energy of mindfulness of your Sangha to do so. And later on, you can do it by yourself alone. When you find yourself... Uh, overwhelmed by a painful feeling or emotion, you remember to stop the thinking, to begin breathing in and out mindfully, to walk slowly, generating the energy of mindfulness and embrace your feeling, embrace your pain, and you get a relief. And that is a concrete way of loving. 
And then with awareness, you know that you are luckier than many people. You realize that uh, you have many conditions to be happy. And you create a feelings of happiness, joy, contentment, and to nourish yourself. That is love. When you eat fountains, eat in, eat in such a way that love is possible. If you eat the things that make yourself sick, that's not love. Huh? When you drink, huh? yeah. some, some, something might be good, but if you eat it too much, it's not good. So that is love. Practice love by eating, by drinking in such a way, with moderation. See? So love is every moment. Love is not sensual pleasure. Love is to take care. And if you know how to take care of yourself, you will know how to take care of the other person. And that's the true love. How to love yourself and how to... Conflict. Confidence. Confidence in yourself. Confidence is possible because uh, when you look into our body, we see our ancestors. And we have many uh, wonderful ancestors. In the past, they were able to do many wonderful things. You see? If in our country there is democracy because they have fought hard in order to, to bring the democracy if uh, we have uh, beautiful uh, 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 cities, uh, they have been built by ancestors. If uh, many beautiful sites of the country are still preserved, that's thanks to our ancestors. Our ancestors have created many wonderful things in the realm of art, literature, music, uh, philosophy, uh, wisdom. So all of them are in your body. And if your ancestors can do it, you can do it too, because you are the continuation of your ancestors. So if you believe in your ancestors, you believe in yourself, and you have confidence. Yeah. Uh, you have we have to get the confidence that we can do better. Mm. Uh, when I breathe mindfully, I see the Buddha in me. He has me. He has given me a lot of peace and understanding. And the Buddha has not died. The Buddha is still alive in me. He is one of my ancestors. And I know that I am a continuation of the Buddha. And I can help the Buddha do the things that he has not been able to do during his lifetime. You see? So I am doing in his name. Uh, what I do is, uh, is being done by the Buddha at the same time. So I have confidence. I have Buddha nature. I have the Buddha in me. So you have your ancestors in you, 
you have uh, blood ancestors and uh, spiritual ancestors in you and you know that if your ancestors could do it and then you can do it and that is uh, the birth of uh, confidence When you stop talking, there still be talking going on in your mind. There's thinking. Thinking is a kind of talking, a mental discourse going on always. And when the talking and the thinking go on, uh, you are dispersed. You you are not uh, concentrated, you are not there in order to live your life. That is why uh, in the practice of mindfulness we learn how to stop not only the talking but the thinking. Of course, uh, talking and thinking might be helpful, but most of what we talk or think not not very helpful, not very productive. Productive talking, productive thinking are possible. But most of our talk and our, think, our, our thinking not, are not productive. When you, when you eat your dinner and if you turn on your television or if you talk, if you continue to talk, you do not have a chance to focus your attention on what you are eating. You do not appreciate the food that you are eating. So you are eating only television and talking. You are dispersed. And that is why concentration is important. You have to focus only at one thing, at a time, concentration. And uh, that is why in Pramlesh uh, we advise people to, to eat silently in order to have a chance to focus our attention on the eating. Uh, during the time we eat, we might focus our attention on the food which is a gift of Mother Earth and Father's Son. And uh, we can eat every morsel of our food mindfully with gratitude. We don't have to say grace in the beginning. But 
every moment of eating can be a moment of great uh, fullness, gratitude. And uh, if uh, gratitude is there, happiness is there. The moment you stop being grateful, the moment <coughs> that moment you stop being happy. Gratitude is the ground of happiness. So you are grateful to Father, Son, Mother Earth, to everyone, that you have a chance to have something to eat in the morning, at noon, and in the evening. So the time of eating is for you to get in touch uh, with the cosmos, with the wonders of life. And eating like that is nourishing not only your body, but also your mind. And not to talk, not to think, not to think. No thinking is a secret of happiness. Not thinking, but you are feeling. You are feeling, you are aware that the wonders of life are there, that to be alive is a wonder. Uh, so these feelings uh, uh, make you in direct contact with life. And that feeling, uh, that, that kind of contact can bring about uh, uh, joy and happiness. Joy and happiness, uh, moments of joy and happiness will nourish you and heal you. Mm, when you chant, or when you listen to a chanting, uh, you don't speak, you don't think, you allow the energy of the chanting the energy of mindfulness of chanting to penetrate into your body and your mind. And you also need, uh, you also get the, the, the nourishment and the healing. And uh, when you sit close to a person, <coughs> who has uh, peace and compassion. It may be uh, better if you don't say anything. Because sitting close to a person like that, you get the energy of peace and compassion from him or from her and to nourish yourself. You sit close to him or to her and you just enjoy your breathing. You cherish, you treasure the presence of such a person. And if you are a couple, you don't really need to talk a lot. You can learn to sit in silence and feel the presence of the other person. And if you have uh, the capacity of producing the energy of peace and uh, compassion and love, 
and the other person sitting close to you will get the nourishment and healing that he needs or she needs. So silence is, uh, uh, can be very nourishing. This is uh, not a kind of uh, suffocative, uh, oppressive silence. It's a noble, light uh, silence. Because in that kind of silence, you, you can produce the energy of peace and brotherhood and sisterhood. You are walking with him or her in the moon, uh, uh, at the night with moon, moonlight. Do you need to talk? The fact is, uh, the place is so quiet, so peaceful. And you, both you are still alive. And you are still together. So just enjoy every step, not talking. And if you know how to breathe and to walk, you generate the energy of peace, of love, of compassion, of joy. And you nourish each other by, by working together in that atmosphere. So to practice uh, silence does not mean that you refrain from talking or thinking. To practice silence means you generate, you have an opportunity to generate a feeling of peace, of wonder, of joy. Uh, of gratitude in you for your nourishment and for the nourishment of the world. And uh, parents may learn and teach and school teachers may learn and teach. Many uh, people have a cancer. And there are those who, who can live for a long time. <laughs> they 
can adapt the kind of style of uh, living uh, that help them to continue to live even with joy and happiness. And there are people who do not have cancer who die before them. So uh, if uh, we know how to handle the situation, it would not be too bad. And in fact, uh, it may be better uh, in other condi- uh, yeah, uh, better than other uh, um, situation. There's a nun in uh, Hanoi, North Vietnam. Uh, she has cancer, uh, metastasis, metastasis, and the doctor said that she will die in a few months. So she she accept, accept that, and she said that well, uh, she accept to die. And she wants to spend her last three months in Plum Village. Because she loves Plum Village, loves Thai and the Sangha here. She was the abbot of the temple in Hanoi, Sister Dam Nguyen. She came to Plum Village uh, for the first time uh, when when the low hamlet uh, did not have uh, much uh, uh, facilities. <laughs> and uh, the path was covered with mud in winter. <laughs> and sometimes you have to put uh, uh, a piece of uh, wood, uh, uh, straw, in order not to, to get uh, uh, not to, to, to work on in the mud. So she came determined to leave fully her three months in Bromley and go back to Hanoi to die. Her, her plan is very specific. Uh, And when they came here, the nuns uh, advised her to go to Bogdor uh, to see a doctor and to see how the situation was. And she refused. No, I don't need a doctor. I have accepted to die. I, what I want is to spend three, three months with you, with Thay and the Sangha. And um, after the three months, when she was able, uh, when she was ready to go back to Hanoi and die, one of the sisters in the low hamlet advised her to go to the doctor to see. Uh, she did not feel the need, but uh, she uh, she she agreed to go. 
and the doctor found out that uh, the metastasis uh, all go back to one place, and she is uh, uh, quite uh, healthy. And she went back to Hanoi and continued to live for many, many years. How many years she go Jiang Kong? Nineteen years. Nineteen years instead of uh, three months. And there are people who die who do n- did not have cancer, who died before her. So there is a style of living that can help you to be relaxed. If you know how to uh, not to allow the despair and anger to settle, and then you can relax, you can enjoy every moment of your daily life, and that helps the cancer to to withdraw. Mm. So your friend can can learn about these uh, these uh, stories. But there are many stories like that, that you know in Plumlish. They can live uh, 10, 20, 30 years uh, with cancer. And if they know how to, how to maintain the practice, they can live very long. So your friend can talk to, to her father about that. And there are books, there are teachers, there are friends who can talk to him uh, and tell him how to live. And uh, there are those who, who have cancer, who can live more deeply their life than other people, because they cherish life. They treasure every minute that is given them to live. So one, one day of, uh, of their life is uh, is worth more than uh, 100 days of uh, another person who doesn't have cancer and who does not uh, treasure uh, uh, the time they have in order to live. So cancer can be very helpful also. They help you to 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 to, uh, to treasure the time given you to live. That is uh, a bell of mindfulness helping us to wake up and to live deeply our life and not to waste it.